When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our Friday edition the tailgate. My name is Chris Plank. And we're slammed. We have a busy show for you today. We'll sit down with Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, get a quick snapshot of what to expect against Baylor. We'll go more in-depth with Baylor reporter Quint Myers. He covers the Bears for ESPN Central Texas. We'll bring back the writer's block with Eric Bailey and K-9, Kenneth Murray. After his incredible performance on Saturday, he'll join us in the podcast later today. Wanted to take a moment to thank you not only for listening, but for downloading, subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. We've had our largest month ever. And as we head down the home stretch, spread the word Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. Let them all know about the Sooner Sports Podcast. And as always, you can find more information if you need it at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And if there's a guest or a topic you want us to tackle more in depth, hit us up at OU on the air. That's at OU on the air. Toby, myself, Chad, we keep tabs on that Twitter feed nonstop. So if you have a question, concern, thought, suggestion, hit us up there at OU on the air. All right, let's not waste a lot of time. Let's get after it. A lot of guests. We start with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Toby, first and foremost, thanks for joining us. Big game coming up this Saturday. Kind of what's your thoughts? What are you most intrigued by? I know we always open our broadcasts on Saturday with what are you looking forward to the most? So 
as we tape this on a Thursday night into a Friday morning, what are you most looking forward to? What's kind of something that's piqued your interest heading into Saturday? I think it's um, I think it's a big day for the OU defense with uh, what's coming up, Texas and TCU on the horizon, with how the last couple of weeks have gone. I think it's kind of a pivotal moment Saturday against a team with players capable of explosive plays. I mean, that's the deal. I'm not going to oversell Baylor. I think they are an improving team. But you heard Matt Rule say earlier this hour when asked what the strength of his team is, he said, we've got speed at the skill positions. We are capable of making big plays. And he's right about that. You know, Jamichael Hasty, John Lovett out of the backfield are both breakaway backs. Denzel Mims has killed OU at times in his career. Jalen Hurd, I'm interested to see him in a new position with them, but he's having a really good season for them. And he's six foot four. They've got Speed and Chris Platt out there. They've got a quarterback who is capable of uh, hurting you with his legs as well. So for a defense that seems to be on their heels a little bit the last couple of weeks, now they're going to take on a, a an opposing offense that is capable of big plays. This feels like an important Saturday for them to find their footing, to find some confidence. Hey, why am I such an outsider when it comes to digging the alternate uniforms? <laughs> Why why does everyone else I don't think you are. Okay, okay, I, good. I, I think it's um I think it's split at age twenty nine. <laughs> there there is I was uh, telling Teddy this last night, he put that poll up and I think it ended up like fifty six forty four or something like that. Didn't like him. Uh, my boys love him. And I know the team loves him. And I think there is an age there where if you're younger than him, you're like, these are awesome. And if you're older than it, you're just you don't want any alternate uniforms. So um, I think there are a bunch of people that like them. I am a traditionalist and would prefer they wore the traditional uniforms every week. But like I've always said, if you're gonna have alternates, I think OU did it really well. I think they look think they look really good. They're as good looking alternates as anybody in the country has. I think. All right, I dig them, man. I dig the the bring the wood. I dig the. Uh, kind of the creation of it. I think that there's obviously a, a lot of different minds that went into putting it together. I think it looks cool. Uh, I just I think it's going to be an awesome – I think it's going to look awesome on Saturday, Toby. And, you know, we've had a couple of firsts. We had our first primetime game. This is our first 2.30 game on Saturday. So we're getting, we're getting to run the gamut through these first five games of the season as far as start times are concerned. Well, it looks like you, uh, you're going to get a weather break. Uh, too. It's going to be another nice day, it looks like. So high of 80, 10% chance of rain. Maybe bring some sunscreen, but I think it's going to be another nice day. The weather got lucky so far. Yeah, the weather gods have felt really bad about the Florida Atlantic opener, I think. They realize that we all almost wilted away. And so they've been taking right. care of they've been that taking care day. of us the last few weeks. I kind of I kind of dig that. How yeah. are you feeling about Saturday? Great. Great. I'm feeling good. I think it's going to be a fun challenge. Very confident. I have a lot of work to do on Baylor and kind of digging into their depth and what Matt Rule has been able to improve from year one to year two. But I'll say this, from both the coaches that we talked to in Dennis Simmons and in Calvin Thibodeau, they brought up some of the unique challenges that we haven't talked about too much. Uh, Coach Simmons talking about the 
the speed and the power of some of their cornerbacks, how they're going to be some of the better corners that they faced so far this season. And in Calvin Thibodeau, you know, talking about an area to where, you know, Oklahoma needs to have some success, and that's that battle in the trenches between the D-line and the offensive line. So from what we learned yesterday, I, I feel pretty good about the matchup and where Oklahoma might be able to kind of take advantage. I don't ever use the term weaknesses, but maybe some areas to where they think they might have an advantage that they can truly expose on Saturday. I feel pretty good about it. Again, I feel like I'm alone in that, too. I'm alone in liking the alternate uniforms. I'm How alone in having a good feeling on Saturday. How I was- dare I? I would say the uh, pick-to-click has to be Hollywood on Saturday uh, because, one, he was shut out last week, and, two, this trend continues of he and CD alternating big games. So it's his turn. So what you're saying is I, I should put Hollywood Brown in my spotlight come Saturday? Yeah, then go we- for it. I mean, if you want to take that, go for it and run. But I'm just saying I would uh, – they have gone – Hollywood big opener – CD, big game against UCLA. Hollywood had the record-breaking first half at Iowa State. CD, two touchdowns against Army. It's uh, it's Marquise's turn. We'll be on the air with a 12-30 pregame, 2-30 kick for Oklahoma and Baylor on the Sooner Radio Network. You can find all of our affiliates at Soonersports.com slash radio. Hey, before we bring back the writer's block, let's cross enemy lines and catch up with a buddy of mine. Quint Myers covers the Baylor Bears for ESPN Central Texas. Q, thanks for joining us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Give me a quick scouting report. Give me a little kind of snapshot of this season so far for the Baylor Bears and what stood out to you? Well, I'll tell you, they've been growing week to week. They really have. Outside of that Duke game, which I don't know what happened. I don't know if they started reading the headlines and thought that they were a really good team and and they're still growing. I don't think they're quite a a really good team yet, but I think that they they have the blueprint laid out. You know what I mean? I think that they're getting to where they need to be. Um, They're starting to figure out what Matt Rule wants in year two. The defense is slowly but surely coming around. And it really has to do with a lot of confidence. And in that Duke game, they, they really lost all their confidence and they really showed that, yeah, they're still really far away. But Kansas Kansas is that team that we all know is, is kind of that get-right game. You know what I mean? Like everything that ails you, you can go ahead and, and figure out during the Kansas game. And I think that Baylor did that. The problem is, can they sustain it? Can they go ahead and keep that confidence? They ran out of the tunnel with confidence. You know, from being on the sidelines, you know what it looks like when a team is out there with 100% confidence, like they're going to make it happen. That's how Baylor felt, and that's how Baylor looked on Saturday against Kansas. The, the question is, can they continue to, to grow that? The, the biggest problem that they're having right now is offensive line and running the ball. They can't seem to really find a run game, and the offensive line is very suspect, and that's not a good recipe for winning games. Yeah, we had our coach's corner segment yesterday, and it was interesting to hear Calvin Thibodeau, the defensive line coach, talk about uh, going from the unique challenge of Army and the wishbone offense to more traditional mm-hmm. with Baylor, but also how maybe it's been a struggle for them. He said eh, there's still a lot of potential on that offensive line for Baylor, too, and that's kind of Matt Rule's specialty as well, right? Yeah, it really is. You know, he takes a lot of uh, uh, attention to detail when it comes to the offensive line. That's what he's done at, at all levels of this of this uh, football game. And so, yeah, he, he's going to want to to get that offensive line going. The problem is they're always banged up. They have a lot of guys that are injured and there are a lot of guys that are young. And honestly, some guys that still aren't big enough to, to really be on that offensive line. You know, they just haven't filled out into D1 college football players' bodies. So these guys are still growing. 
like I mentioned, man, they're very young. They're still trying to figure out the position and what they need to do. And then George DeLeon, who was the, the offensive line coach, is no longer the coach, or he's not doing that role. He's up in the booth. And they have Sean Bell, who used to be a quarterback, is now the coach, per se, of the offensive line. And so I think that there's a little bit of, you know, still learning curve for him as well. I think he's going to be fine at that position, but there's still a learning curve. So this is still a work in progress for the Baylor Bears. We've got to start digging, Q. I don't know if there's probably any offensive line coach in the country that used to be a quarterback. That's definitely got to be unique, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to point out to everyone. Like, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time because this can't be that easy for a former quarterback to all of a sudden be an O-line coach. You know – when Lincoln Riley was talking about Baylor, he gushed over Denzel Mims. How impressed have you been with the 6'3", 208-pound playmaking junior receiver? I like him a lot with his playmaking ability, like you mentioned, but the problem with Denzel Mims is he's not on the field enough. The problem is that he is a guy that spends a lot of time in the training room, and if he's got a little bit of a tweak, a tweak here or a twinge here, he's normally on the sidelines. So we haven't seen enough of him. We know that he has the big playmaking ability, and when he's on the field, he's dynamic, and he's a guy that you really have to pay attention to. And a guy who could come up big this Saturday if he's out there and he's at 100%. The problem is that he's a guy that either plays at 100% or he doesn't play. And that's been the biggest frustration, as far as I'm concerned, with uh, Denzel Mims. But, boy, he could, when he can go and he's out there, he can go. On that other receiver position, you know, Chris Platt had the huge game against Oklahoma last year, or at least had a couple of huge games going in. But as far as transformations, Jalen Hurd was a guy that at running back, a lot of people had been impressed by at Tennessee. He decides, you know, maybe a different position would work well for me. And just based on what I've seen in some of the the tape that I've watched, man, Q, he has really transitioned well. He's really taken to that role as a receiver. No, he he really has, and he spent a lot of the time where he was, you know, redshirting or not redshirting, but he had to sit out because of the transfer. He spent a lot of that time working on the jugs machine, working as a, a wide receiver, just trying to learn that position. And he's trying to take a leadership role as far as toughness, as far as attitude and swagger goes for for just the team in general because they really don't have that guy. And you know, he he's not a guy that. I'm super impressed with, like, I think he's a first-round draft pick wide receiver, but I can see where the potential is. You know, I can see where, okay, he's intriguing. And then, of course, we all know once he has the ball in his hands, he can do a lot of great things just going back to the days of a running back. I like what Matt Rule has been doing with him as of late, where they're just trying to get the ball in his hands. And they've lined him up in running back position a couple times a game. I'd like to see that increase to, like, six or seven times a game. And then also throwing the ball to him as a wide receiver. He's just... He's just got a little bit different factor. And, look, he's a guy that I question a lot. I just didn't know how that transformation was going to go. But after a lot of hard work, you see that, okay, it's paying off, and you can kind of see what Jalen Hurd could be. How dangerous is Charlie Brewer with his feet? I mean, again, maybe we watch from afar and only see a couple of runs on highlights. But, again, he's got a cannon. But how dangerous mm-hmm. he is a dual threat, Q? I just think he's very dangerous with his feet. I mean, he he really, really is. And, you know, I, I'm one of those guys who hate the, the quarterback rotation, the, you know, the two two snaps here, two series here, two series there. I, I hated that at the beginning of the season for Baylor. Jalen McClendon, I thought, actually had a better arm than Charlie Brewer. But Charlie Brewer's legs, man, you described it perfectly. He is so dangerous with those legs, keeps a lot of plays alive, and especially with the O-line struggling a little bit. That's what you need. And on, and on top of that, he really has shown a lot as far as leadership and toughness. You know, he's that guy that he's going to run, he's going to get hit, he's going to bounce back up, and he's going to 
basically leave it all on the field for his team. And so I, I really think that he's won over the team, even though most of the, the fan base was wanting Charlie Brewer as the starting quarterback anyway. Just what he's shown over the past couple of weeks with his legs and his ability to just lead the team and, like I said, take some big hits and get back up and, and just show that toughness. That's, that's what every team needs is that tough, gritty quarterback. He, he has that. So I like what he's doing. And like you said, those legs, man, those legs are dangerous. All right, so help me understand something, and it's about Terrell Bernard. How is he the lead, what the leading tackler for this team? And uh, he has he has twenty two tackles to lead the team. He has a sack. He has a pick. He has two tackles for losses, and yet he hasn't started a game. Is it just the packages they're starting the game with? It's just a lot of rotation. Matt Rule just rotates a lot of players in and out. That, okay. that, I mean, that's really it's really really that simple. These guys just rotate in and out. Sometimes you think that a guy needs to be out there on the field, and he's not out there. You know, and then. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just what it is, and again, it's that it's that uh, that defense where they're trying to keep guys fresh and the scheme that they're trying to run, and it, it's a big, heavy rotation. I mean, it's it's really funny. There's there's freshmen out there getting some play. There's some freshmen that look pretty good, and, and they're just they're just trying to learn the position. They're trying to learn that defense, and so it's it's really boils down to just rotation. All right, Q, I'll let you go on this. Baylor is going to win this game if blank happens on Saturday. Oklahoma doesn't show up. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I like, I, I like the direction that they're going. I love what Matt Rule does as the head coach. I think he's going to be really successful at Baylor. Uh, I just think that they're too young. I really do. I know that Oklahoma had that had that scare against Army, but Army is a different kind of animal. You know, I mean, it really is. And so Baylor in Norman, I just. I don't see it. You know, I, I just don't. And we actually had a big debate about that on the show yesterday uh, about, you know, anything could happen on any given Saturday. You, you're you right. You're right about that. But, I mean, in, in all realistic, you know, just being honest about the situation, Baylor, I don't think that they have a chance to win this game. I, I really don't. They kept it close last year, but that was at McLean Stadium. This is in Norman. I, I don't see it. I think it's going to get ugly, probably get ugly pretty early. But this is a young team, and they, they just got to keep their head up. Y'all should thank me. Because, as most of you know, I am a monster Raiders fan. Q actually hosts a daily Raiders podcast. That's kind of how we were we, we hooked up and I met him. So, I, I didn't bring any Raider talk to the podcast. And, of course, I got to kind of hide those colors this week since Baker is making his debut as a starter for the Browns against the Raiders. But good stuff for Q as we get set for the Baylor Bears coming into town this Saturday. How about from the Oklahoma? side of things we catch up with eric bailey sooner beat writer for the tulsa world at eric bailey tw i mean eric how crazy is this here we are a third of the way through the season as the sooners play their fifth game on baylor saturday it's just crazy how quickly this first part of the season is gone isn't it yeah it's incredible to believe when you think about it we're already four games deep and after texas we'll be halfway through the regular season too so it's funny you wait all summer to get to football season and it really goes by fast Take me through your perspective on what we've learned so far. Let's go specifically on the defense. Had a great start to the first two games and struggled a little bit against Iowa State. Defending the pass, struggled quite a bit, obviously, with how Army's offense uh, executed things. What's been your perspective so far on the way that this uh, this defense has performed? You know, I really think you just survive in advance. I've said that over and over for the Army game. You just needed to get through that game. And Coach Riley made a good point. If Oklahoma could have got up by two scores at any point in that game, 
it would have been a lot more comfortable for everybody because it takes away what Army wants to do. Well, that didn't happen. Oklahoma found a way to win. Uh, if I'm Mike Stoops, I throw that tape away and bring it back in two years when you go up to New York to play them. Uh, I think the Iowa State game was really an opportunity for people to see uh, what, how this team would react to a team that passes a little more. And uh, you're right, they had their struggles, but I think it was a good look. Uh, what impressed me in the first two games was just the blitz packages, how they were able to get pressure on the quarterback. And, and it really told me how much Mike Stoops has uh, faith in his defensive backs because he was putting them on islands when he brings uh, blitzes from different angles. So I, I think those first two games were a good sign of what this defense can be. I think the third game was a sign of, okay, here's their first test. And uh, last week was just uh, abnormal with what Army does. And, and it's, it's going to be a big – the biggest challenge is this Saturday because of what Baylor does throwing the football. I, I'm kind of interested to see how all these defensive backs do covering, uh, especially the, the long passes, the, the vertical passes. How are they going to do covering those, those routes? Let's talk about Kenneth Murray and his, I guess, evolving as a playmaker for this defense. He uh, was kind of thrown into the fire last year as an inside backer, having never played that position but I've really been impressed, Eric, with not only the way that he's making plays, but the way that he's stepped up in in his leadership roles. And he's a he's the face of this defense now. He's the guy that that we turn to, not just from the radio network side, but obviously from the media side of things. And he's embraced that. It's amazing. He's not even you know just eighteen games into his his uh, his career. He's only played a year and, and four games, and he really is the face of that defense. I, I really have been impressed with the jump he made. Uh, you know, and it started from media day at Big 12 media days. They, they, they chose to bring him down, and it was surprising to, to see a sophomore down there. But as soon as you talk to him, you realize what a leader this guy is. Uh, really impressed with him. I think the first game really lit a fire under him because if you remember in that FAU game, he didn't have one tackle. He, he was zeroed. And now after that 28 tackle performance last weekend, he, he ranks ninth nationally in tackles per game. Tells you what kind of competitor he is. Now he's still learning. There's still things, you know, when you only play 18 games, you're going to get put in different scenarios that, you you know, you're still learning things. But I've been impressed with him on and off the field with just his evolution, both as a player and a leader. I really enjoyed him. I've really enjoyed him. Uh, Eric Bailey's hanging out with us as we get set for OU and Baylor. You know, I haven't had a chance to really dig in as much as I like at this point in the week on Baylor, Eric, but it seems as if Matt Rule's really done a nice job of kind of bringing in his kind of guys, turning the ship around after a really rough season. And, I mean, we don't have to look too far back to figure out exactly what they're capable of with what they did to Oklahoma just a year ago. Yeah, that game was kind of crazy because if you remember, Oklahoma had a 28-10 lead uh, just minutes into the second quarter, and you thought it was just going to be a runaway. And then all of a sudden, Baylor comes storing back, and Baylor even took the lead late in the third quarter and, and forced Oklahoma to play from behind to get that win down there. So it was a tough game. And, and, and this is – you're right. I mean, Matt Rule was in for a tough job when he accepted that role down there because there was a lot of work and rebuilding need to be, needed to be done. And I, I've been impressed with them this year. They got – you know, they're 3-1 and one this year. Uh, they got a quarterback now in Charlie Brewer, another late Travis High School kid. Uh, throwing pretty the ball pretty well. Um, Denzel Mims, I think everyone remembers him last year, what he was able to do to Oklahoma. And Jalen Hurd, uh, he used to be at Tennessee. I remember him playing against OU uh, in 14, and he's the guy that's uh, made the most catches on that team this year. So offensively, this game is going to be really interesting because of what they, like I said, what they can do. Uh, defensively, 
they're getting better. Um, it's going to be a challenge for those. You know, it's going to be a challenge for Oklahoma's offense a little bit. I wrote a story yesterday. I was impressed. Greg Roberts, the 1978 uh, Outland Award winner, or Outland Trophy winner, at Oklahoma. His son plays for Baylor, and I had a. It was a fun story. I got to talk to both father and son. And uh, the, the, the older uh, Greg Roberts made me laugh because he's not wearing green to the stadium. He's not wearing crimson either. He's going to be neutral colors. So <laughs> it's going to be a fun game for the Roberts family. Uh, you know, Eric, what what year is this on the beat for you? Is this six? This is six. Yeah, I started in twelve. Sixth year on the, in 2012. Sixth year on the beat, and you know every every year there's always some intriguing storylines that play out. So this has been an intriguing week from my perspective for the fan base because a lot of people almost act as if they took an L on Saturday night. And I guess maybe I'm, I say this a lot, maybe I'm too homeristic at times, and I'm fine with that. But it's yeah. it's been a weird vibe this week, hasn't it? It really has, Chris, and you, you make a good point. And, you know, when people walked out of the stadium, uh, they were wondering, you know, is, is, what happened? I mean, and sure, you were you were taking the overtime if you're an Oklahoma fan and you were able to get the win. But, you know, you're, Oklahoma fans have been accustomed to big wins, especially at home, and, and comfortable wins as well. And, and it, it kind of, you know, throws all the onus on the defense again. Because the defense just couldn't get off the field. I mean, we, we've talked about it over and over. Uh, Oklahoma only had 30, what, 38 snaps in regulation, or 37 when you take away the, the centering the football. So uh, Oklahoma's offense didn't get a chance to really do anything. And, and the defense, I think if, you, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're playing Army, you're almost glad giving up 21 points because that's not, you know, because of the offense you have. But you don't expect to give up. 16 play drives, 16 play drives, and 19 play drives. They could never get Army behind the chains. And I think that's, I mean, it, it goes back to the, the, the defensive narrative where fans are really, uh, you know, they want to see a better defense. And even though, you, it, see, it appears they, on the outside, if you told Lincoln Riley before the game that Army was only going to score 21 points, he would have been very comfortable with that probably. Uh, but that wasn't the case on Saturday. So uh, I think Oklahoma's defense has a chance to redeem themselves a little bit. And they're excited about playing a Big 12 offense, a, a program that they're kind of familiar with. I have a lot of how-do-you-feel questions for you here, Eric, to wrap things up. So let me start with this. How do you feel Kyler Murray has handled being not only the replacement for Baker Mayfield, but the starting quarterback and everything that goes with the balance of being the ninth pick in the Major League Baseball draft and a guy who wants to win a national championship? How do you think he's handled it? I think he's done quite well. I remember talking to Baker Mayfield just moments after they lost in the Rose Bowl last year, and he told me that, you know, hey, you know, you guys haven't seen nothing yet. Kyler Murray's a special player, and we're seeing that. I mean, here's a guy, and that 33-yard touchdown run on Saturday, you know, an Army guy had him, uh, but took a bad angle. And if you take a bad angle against him trying to make a tackle, you're going to pay, and that's what happened on that touchdown run by Kyler Murray. I, I've been impressed with his uh, – just his in-the-pocket, what he's been able to do. Uh, he's trusting his arm a little bit more, but – Boy, as a you know, as a coach, you probably want to see him run. If he can run, get those ten yards, get a first down. So, uh, I've been impressed with Kyler a lot, and uh, you know, teams are going to try to start game planning more and more against him. It's just going to be interesting to see how he reacts against them. And then what that opens up, because Eric, I've felt pretty good about the way Trey Sermon has stepped up from Iowa State to Army. How do you feel about the way that Trey Sermon has handled being the guy? It's going to be a work in progress. I mean. Uh, I, I, you know, everyone said, well, you know, Roddy Anderson's uh, out, next man up. There's four running backs on scholarship back there. We'll be fine. 
it's it's not a seamless transition. Rodney Anderson is such a special player, and you saw that in in the second half of last season. And there were such high expectations for Rodney Anderson, so now they have to reset. And you know, I'm not saying Trey Sermon's not not a bad guy or or someone that can't reach the potential of Rodney Anderson, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I think he made a big step on Saturday against Army, uh, and and again, those were important carries because Oklahoma didn't have many snaps. So I think. Rodney, I mean, excuse me, Trey has an opportunity to match what Rodney's done. Uh, kind of curious how he does in the past game, how, how he's going to do, because Rodney was a big threat in the past game as well. And you got to get those two young backs there. you got to get Marcellus set back on the field, and you got to get those two young backs some touches just because you may need them. If you're an OU fan, you'd love to see T.J. Pledger uh, opened up and see what he can do, and also, as well as Kennedy Brooks. And then I'll, I'll wrap up my how-do-you-feel questions about how do you feel that the four – game redshirt rule is going to impact this team and I'm I'm specifically looking at two I guess you could say non-freshmen that I'm really intrigued by obviously there's Caleb Kelly but Robert Barnes hasn't been back on the field in a couple of weeks and I mean there's been some situations to where you think all right bigger guy stronger guy you would think he might be a pretty good tackler and hasn't had that opportunity so I don't know do do we keep a closer eye on those two players and how do you think that's going to factor in the rest of the way I think from what we saw at Oklahoma State and uh, and especially at Clemson you keep an eye on everybody (laughs) you just never know what happens um no I I I think uh I think what they're trying to do with Caleb Kelly's you know smart if you can do that if if both the coach and the player is happy with it and you can do that you got an upperclassman next season at that position. And, you know, Curtis Bolton's playing out of his mind. And yep. good for him. He's a guy that, you know, struggled through injuries last year and, and then just really hadn't had a shot to get on the field. And good for him. He's really taking advantage of his opportunity. And now if you're if you're Oklahoma, you'd love to just kind of keep Caleb Kelly out of the mix. If it's, if it's okay with Caleb, if that's what he's indicated, I think that's a good plan moving forward. And remember, he has two games left. And, you know, if you're, you're Oklahoma, if you're Lincoln Riley, you'd probably love to have him in maybe a a, a cotton a college football playoff game or a big 12 championship game to, you know, pull them out and let them get some snaps. Uh, Robert Barnes is interesting. I think he's still just young. I think, I think he's one of those guys they can take a look at and say, okay, we still want him to grow a little bit more, you know, grow in the game uh, mentally and physically. Uh, I think he, he can add some things to this team. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, we'll have to see. I was, it was kind of interesting that he didn't get any playing time on Saturday. And then I'll wrap it up with this. I'm glad you mentioned Curtis Buzzy Bolton. Is that the best story on this team so far this year, just based on where he had been, the injuries that had cost him so much time? I mean, with his emergence, is that the best story on this team this year? You know, selfishly, uh, off the field, as a reporter, he's, he's, the, he's the clubhouse leader for the uh, J.D. Reynolds Media Cooperation Award we give out to the best interview on the team. <laughs> we, we just never in the past have really had a chance to really talk to him. We've talked to him, but really haven't interviewed him and. He comes to the the, 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 the locker room or the, the meeting room for interviews. He's awesome. I mean, he, he's candid. He tells it like it is. So I've been impressed with just him as a person because of that. But, you know, more or less, on, you know, what gets lost in Saturday's game is here's a guy who had 23 tackles. And if you take Curtis Murray out of the equation, we're writing about Curtis Bolton. We're talking about his big game. That's a huge game, 23, and that's getting lost because of what Kenneth Murray would done. I think uh, Mike Stoops really found someone in Curtis Bolton. He's really making plays, and, and, and he's going out like a senior should. So I, I've really been impressed with Curtis and uh, you know, wish him the best the rest of the year as well. Eric's a hardworking, solid reporter, worth your time as a follow at Eric Bailey TW. And, of course, you can catch all of his game stories 
at the Tulsa World, tulsaworld.com, or pick up a copy for those of you listening in Tulsa. And we wrap things up today with the star this week, Kenneth Murray, a record-setting performance on Saturday, all-time tackles in a game, leader, Sooner history, set the mark, and was named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week and the National Defensive Player of the Week. Kenneth, did you know where you were tackles-wise as the game progressed? Uh, I mean, I I didn't know how many I had total until the end of the game, but kind of took a glance up and seen I had 22 in the third quarter. So, um, you know, I just went out there and did my job, made tackles, and just, you know, try to get off the field and try to play, you know, great defense. Can you take me through how unique that challenge was? We talked last week you'd played a triple option before, but how unique was that on Saturday night and how challenging? Um, it was definitely a unique, you know, they, they definitely, you know, came out and, you know, executed the, you know, triple option the way that they usually want to execute the triple option and stuff like that. But as far as my night, as far as, you know, the tackles and stuff like that, all credit goes to God and all credit goes to my D-line because those guys kept me safe for the most of, most of the night, kept guys off me. So I was able to scrape and make plays, which is what we what we planned on happening for the linebackers to scrape and make tackles. We talked about in the postgame show, but you even got emotional thinking about how well your defensive line had played. When you looked back, more the same that you saw? Oh yeah, for sure, man. After I when I got on, when I watched the tape, man, those guys they kept it clean for me. Um, you know, it was so much better than what I imagined it was going to be. You know, I was imagining you know a lot of guys being in my legs, you know, trying to cut me every play, but they kept guys off me for the most part, and I was able to scrape and you know make tackles and stuff like that. So a lot of credit goes to them. It's a unique offense, but what can you take from a game like that as a defensive unit, Kenneth? Um, you know, we can take a lot from that. You know, we had a lot of good things, you know. Um, they only had one play, you know, that went for 14 yards, over 14 yards. So, you know, we, t we take a lot for that. You know, we played pretty style up front, you know. D-line kept guys off us pretty much. And so, you know, it's a lot that we can take away from that, you know. And at the end of the day, we got the W. So as long as we get the W, it's no ugly win. So at the end of the day, you know, we got the W. You know, now it's time to move on and get ready for Baylor. Win's a win. But it was important for you to show thanks after the game. Take me through the decision to go by and shake hands of just about every single service member that was there on the field and every one of their players that stayed around. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, after the game, you know, obviously we, I was happy that we won, but at the end of the day, after the game, it wasn't even about football no more. It was just about, you know, thanking them for their service. At the end of the day, those guys are the, you know, real warriors. They're the, they're the guys out there making the sacrifice for our country. So, you know, I had to show my gratitude, had to show my thanks, you know, to all of them, especially the guys, you know, on the team and the, and the guys on the side, you know, in uniform, you know, they're out there, you know, you know, sacrificing in war for us. So, you know, you got to let them know that you appreciate them. Lincoln talked after the game about doing something different at the start of overtime. What did that do for you guys to have everyone together right before overtime there on the sidelines and get a little pep talk from Coach? Oh, yeah, that was real good. I liked, I liked that for sure. He brought us all up and just set the mindset for overtime and just let us know what it was going to be. So um, I think that was great, and, you know, it was good to hear from Coach, and that just set the tone for what it was going to be in overtime. How about the play of Curtis Bolt? Oh, man, that, that dude there played, man. He played all night, so I'm just happy to have him right next to me out there playing with me every day. Is it a tough adjustment to go back to something you're more familiar with now, or do you welcome it with the type of offense Baylor's going to bring in? Oh, we definitely welcome it. You know, I'm glad that I don't have to <laughs> see a triple option this week, but, you know, I'm definitely welcoming the challenge, and I'm, you know, ready to get on the Baylor and ready to, you know, come out here and have a great game Saturday. Hey, final thought. Overall, how do you feel about where this team is right now? 4-0, great start to the season with Baylor coming up. Big games looming. How do you feel about the mindset of where this team is? I think we have a great mindset right now. We're four and zero, but we're not we're not complacent. We're, we're getting more hungry as the week as weeks go on. So I think if we do that, we'll be able to get in position to reach the goal that we want to reach. So there you have it, a packed edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Can't wait for kickoff. Two thirty, OU Baylor this Saturday on the Sooner Radio Network. We'll be on the air at twelve thirty. Hey, if you're headed out. 
get to Campus Corner early or at least on campus somewhere because the legendary Clydesdales are going to be on campus. They're in town this weekend. How cool is that? Plus, it's our first 2.30 game of the season. So we had 11, noon, 11, 6, 2.30, and then we'll have 11 again next week for OU Texas down in Dallas. But until then, we got business to take care of. It's OU Baylor this Saturday. Thanks to Toby Rowland, Eric Bailey, Quint Myers, Kenneth Murray. Thanks to you for listening, subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until the post-game show on Saturday night after OU Baylor, have a great game day and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.